How's it going, everyone? This is John Russos of the Here's My Thing podcast. Today's episode's a little different. I'm joined by my friend Nathan Devon, also known as Devo Customs. He's an artist in Portland, Oregon, who's had his work worn by C.J. McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, and other athletes as well. Along with being an artist, Nathan is a father, husband, son, and brother. He's coming on the podcast today to talk about his journey and experience as a black man in the United States. Nathan, what's up, man? How's it going, man? Uh, excited to be on, man. Excited to be on. This has been a long time coming. It has, dude. It has. I think we, uh, obviously talked a little bit before this, but 2018, August around that time was when it's been in the ether. We've been talking about this for a minute. So glad we can finally make it happen. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, man. I love your content. So I'm, I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. And same to you. Um, I, I, uh, obviously I've known you relative last two years, but uh, and, and what your brand is, but I'd love to hear it in your words, how uh, Devo Customs came to be, um, the origin story, if you will. For sure. Yeah, I'll jump right into it. So yeah, Nathan Devon um, grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and a kid really from the beginning who loved sports and art. So if I wasn't outside kicking a ball or shooting hoops, I was inside, you know, drawing watching cartoons and drawing the cartoons I was watching. So those two were definitely things I was passionate about, but never saw really a career path in those and was never really told that there was a career path in those, Um, but still was passionate about it. Um, Played sports throughout high school, um, then went to the University of Portland and ran track there. Um, When I got to Portland, um, I knew that uh, Adidas that's when I figured out that Adidas and Nike and in the sportswear industry in general uh, was out here. And so um, once I, I figured that out, I was like, I love sports. I got to find a role in this, in this uh, field. And so landed an internship actually with Adidas after I graduated. Um, and it was there that I uh, figured out that there was like my dream job, which was a graphic designer at Adidas. So like, you know, these are people who, sit in illustrator photoshop all day design t-shirts for a major sports brand like this it it felt like it was my calling my two passions but um i had like zero experience right so i I didn't know anything about photoshop illustrator i'm going up against candidates who have that type of experience um went to art school so i i was left with with not really many opportunities a, a few interviews here and there but i was still super passionate about it. And, you know, I decided to like try to make my portfolio look a little bit different. And so that's when I picked up like trying to hand paint on jackets because I knew I could paint, I knew I could draw, but I just couldn't like get it out there physically. And that's when I researched um, just how to, how to do it. Um, Painted my first jacket, uh, linked up with my friend C-Flow, Chris Floor, if if anyone knows him, Um, good guy, but he, he shot it for me. We took some pictures posted it on Instagram. Someone asked like, Hey, can I buy this? And then that's when the gears just kind of switched. Yeah. So that's when, you know, this was like no longer a project to try to get into a graphic design role, but you know, my business. And so that was fall of 2016. Now we're here in 2020. So still going strong. I've done over 200 commissions. Um, so it's, it's been a journey, but it's been so much fun and yeah, blessed to be working on it still. That's awesome. I um I, I got. Does your work now? Does that cross over with what you're doing at Adidas, in any way? 
That's a great question. Um, you know, I'd say I'd say yes and no. So I'm I do marketing at Adidas, uh, product marketing. Um, so we collaborate with the designers. Um, I'm not the one in there, obviously, in Photoshop and Illustrator, but we like brief the designers based on like what we think will sell. And there's like feedback rounds, and that's definitely the most fun part of the job. Um, and so I think the designers appreciate someone in marketing who has kind of a more of an art brain. Um, yeah. So I can kind of relate to a little bit more of what, what they're trying to express at times. Uh, at least I think so. Um, and so that's, that's, I guess, where some crossover plays in. Um, but yeah, I mean, marketing is a huge part of being an artist. Getting your art out there is, is definitely half the battle. Um, and so, yeah, I think they actually play off each other really well. Definitely. And I imagine being at Adidas in general, that's got to be, it's a creative environment to start. So kind of being that similar ecosystem, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And they really encourage, uh, creativity. Um, there's spaces, uh, out on campus where you can create. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good, good vibe. And I, uh, speaking of creativity, I don't think slogan or moniker is the way to put it, but, um, everyone is creative. That's a message that you have been putting out everything ever, like ever since I met you, that's but you've been saying that everyone is creative. And I think as an athlete and as an artist, they're not mutually exclusive, right? You can do both. But um, where did you come up with that, that saying, or where did you, wh why did you try to, or why did you choose to push it? I should say. For sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I remember it was, uh, I was, I was starting out with this. I was starting to get a little more serious. I made like a own, Debo Customs Instagram. And I actually wrote like a business plan that was just in PowerPoint, nice. like five slides and, you know, Google, how do you write a mission plan or whatever? And it's like, you got to have your mission. And I was like, like, what does that even mean? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. but like the way I saw it was like, mm -hmm. what's the drive, yeah, the driving force behind what I'm trying to do and also what makes me different. So, I mean, I think, with my work, my competitive advantage right now, there's so yeah, let's back up. There's a ton of people who do art, right? There's a ton of people oh, who do DIY, um, shoes, apparel. There's a ton of people that are better than me that do it. Hmm. I think I'm doing one of the better jobs at collaborating with yeah. the customer and letting them bring their creative vision to life. Hmm. And so that is kind of what my, like Diva Customs is kind of, Totally. I'm positioning it as like a vehicle to do that, to like unleash the creativity in everybody. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of been the thing. Everybody is creative. And then I think my, my brand too, when, when people see me and kind of one of my big things I try to push is to be creative on your own um, and like go, go for things, do stuff like you're doing, starting your, your podcast, that thing that you've had in a, on a vision board for 10 years, like to, to do it. And so I think like both of those kind of work together to really like push people to be creative and like, I don't know, have, have the confidence to really go for it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where it's at now. No, that's a solid, that, that's the best way to put it. Mission statement. That's awesome. Um, it's, I feel like it's kind of like, I would imagine picking favorites and children out of all your pieces, any of them stand out as your favorite? No, that that's a great one. Um, yeah, I get this one a lot. And for me, it's it's less about like the actual art I'm doing on the jacket, mm. but more like the story behind it. And oh, okay. 
I mean, there's really not one right now that tops the CJ Nurk kind of uh, play playoff there. So like, it's a great story. Yeah. It's a great story. Yeah. So um, let's see how, how did it even start? So yeah, I, I had done a piece for CJ in the past. Um, so mm-hmm. I had met him, but it was coming down um, in March of 2019. So, you know, Portland's like trying to get ready for the playoffs um the big man Yusuf Nurkic goes down with a gruesome injury um and so this is also funny Saeed my friend Saeed um he was uh interning with me at the time and he noticed that everyone like around the NBA not even like Blazers everyone was posting about Nurk right now like Mm -hmm. and you could just tell the whole city of Portland felt it the NBA felt it and he was like this he's like this could be like an opportunity, like what if you made one for Nurk? And I was like, and it was honestly his his idea. And I was like, wow, that that's a great idea. I know CJ. I wondered like how I can use that relationship to like do do something to celebrate him and and do it in a way that's not like capitalizing on this like really unfortunate event, but yeah. like do it in a way that celebrates it. So so yeah, ended up making a, a jacket for CJ that said Bosnian Beast on it. Um, gave it to him the last game of the season. And I honestly didn't really expect him to wear it because he always wears suits for playoffs. Yeah. Like he had never. And then I think it was game four against the Nuggets. He walked in wearing it. And then, yeah, like Trailblazers posted it, League Fits, uh, Bleacher oh Report kicks, like all this stuff. And like, people are hitting me up. Like my phone just didn't stop vibrating the entire night. So it was, it was awesome. And so like everyone saw it as like, you know, this is like what the blazers are about camaraderie. Um, like everyone, everyone's freaking out. He posts after the game and then Nurk comments, like I want one. And then, um, and then he, CJ puts me in contact with Nurk. I'm, I'm talking with him. And so I make Nurk one, the funny parts of the story that a lot of people actually don't know, huh. I made Nurk two jackets. The first one I made for him was too small. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So I made him this one. I drove like all the way out to a Levi's outlet, got a 3XL thinking was it was say- big enough. Yeah. It was pretty funny. And then I made- the- And it, wait, the, the 3XL wasn't big enough? Wasn't big enough. Sleeves, oh sleeves were too short. How is, is he seven? Is he seven feet? 611 something he's like that up right there. he's up there Jeez. and he's a he's a big guy too so yeah. like it was yeah i didn't see him try it on so I'd, I'd give it to him but yeah he said it was too short and i was like <laughs> damn so and he was gonna wear that for game seven of the nugget series and mm-hmm. so like if they would have lost that game i wouldn't yeah. have had another shot to to make one for him ended up winning cj of course goes off so that was yeah. that was crazy um but yeah, and then so I gave, um, and so I made another one for, for Nurk. But this time I really focused it around CJ. He had just come off this amazing game um, and Game of Thrones was super big at the time. Yeah. And so I made CJ a picture of him sitting on the Iron Throne. I actually have never watched Game of Thrones in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so then I made that and then I gave that to Nurk. And uh, sorry, Nurk gave me his jacket this time. So I knew it would fit. He gave me one that he had, he had in his closet. And so gave it back to him. And then he wore it um, game three of the Warriors series. Um, and then that one blew up as well, probably even bigger. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of same thing. League fits, like Yahoo Sports, Twitter, Instagram. So yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. And then 
ended up getting interviewed by um, local news. So that was fun. Um, Is that Mor- Morgan Day? Morgan yes. Day or- yeah, yeah, nice. Morgan yeah. Day, Morgan. And so, yeah, people. And so, yeah, I guess more of the story is like people bought in to like just that genuine story, I feel like. Um, and so mm-hmm. that totally. that is kind of when I look back at it, like and look back at like other brands who can do it. It's like you find that like genuine story that people can get behind. And then like that's that's sort of how it happens. Um, if you will. So yeah, super long winded, but that's the, no, no, that's <laughs> that, that's, that. those are my favorite jackets. No, that's awesome. That's, I, and I didn't know that piece about the, the size not fitting. I thought that's great. That's funny for everyone. I think a lot of people can relate when I say painting's not easy at all on a canvas, but doing it on clothing. And I've seen some of the, and you don't know, and a denim jacket is firm, but I've seen you do on like athletic shorts. Um, and obviously if you can, if you want to touch on obviously the stuff behind you, but what you got in cargo, some of that material, I, it cannot be easy to do the work you do, and a lot of it is so detailed, um, which is wicked impressive. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I've just kind of gotten used to it. Um, it was definitely a, a a struggle at first finding the right materials, and then like mm-hmm. making sure they're like sustainable and washable, and like what will last. So, um, but yeah, that white kind of like canvas layer is super important and it just kind of yeah. like creates yeah the space where you, where you can paint and the paint sticks to it so yeah basically any type of material works besides like true windbreaker material huh. um that's where it kind of goes south but um but other than that it works really well where do you see yourself with the brand Devo, like where would you want to go in like five years? And that's kind of, it's at times a bit of a kind of a tough question to even answer, but is that something you've thought about where you'd like to be with it in five years and what are you doing with it? Definitely. Um, yeah, I, to be honest, I don't have a, a super clear five year plan. I have like a 20 year plan. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah. so I'm playing a really, really long game, but so I think with what I do, it's, it's cool it's really hard to scale, right? I'm one person. Mm -hmm. It's very unique. Um, And then also, you know, DIY fashion is eventually going to go out of style, right? And it'll it'll go out, it'll go back in. And, but what I think will not go out of style is kind of what I was touching on earlier, the process of like co-creating something with them. It's like getting a tattoo, right? Like people getting tattoos for years, but that process of like, working with somebody to create something that they felt they had a part in creating. And so I feel like the biggest, best way to scale that is like through an agency. Um, So a creative agency, a one-stop shop for, you know, I haven't figured it out yet, obviously, but like, you know, it could be video photo um, to, to, yeah, to help people like unleash one, their own creativity and then help kind of, yeah, create something that they're proud of. So what I'm doing with Diva Customs right now, I'm definitely focused on jean jackets. But in the meantime, I'm also collecting a ton of contacts and like from a networking yeah. perspective, like I've done 200 jackets for people kind of all over the place in the U.S. I'm still in touch with those. Like I follow those people. They, they follow me like that, you know, I'm building a community. And so I think one time I when like the time is right and I can switch that into the agency, I'll have people who would who would want to be a part of it one and then maybe uh two just yeah clients that that would be interested as well so um 
I think that's, I'm just kind of, you know, building the community up first. And then hmm. um, I think that's when I can scale it with the agency. So super big dreams. I like to, to go to, to go it. big. And then if you fall yeah. just a tad short, you're still doing great things. So that's, uh, that's where I'm at with it. I love that. No, that's a good point. The whole community aspect. And that, that's gotta be, I feel like that's a tough thing to build in general on, on social media. And it, that, so that, I didn't even think about it and what you're doing in terms of networking and keeping these contacts. And it does help that you follow, I'd imagine, so you can like comment. But also in terms of co-creating this kind of maybe a shorter question, but how many of your pieces of the 200, every single one that you've done, is that all co-creating or have you done anywhere you've, you've made it? And then oh, I guess the first one you made it and then someone bought it, but what percent is it co-create versus just you? Um, man, yeah, it's probably like 99 to 1%. <laughs> yeah. Really? So, oh, wow. Yeah. The whole operation is like super reliant on commissions. Um, okay. I actually tried to launch my own kind of expression uh, last year around this time of just pieces. I made a collection, shot it, story told it, everything. And I still haven't sold one piece. And so that was like a huge wake up call of like, you know, I had just, this was coming off like working with CJ and Nurk after being on the news and, um, and I'm still trying to like, and I still can't, can't make like a sale of something that, I, that I'm putting out there. Um, and so, you know, I think that kind of told me just the Devo Customs brand doesn't quite mean enough yet, right? So like it, it doesn't mean enough to where someone would want to buy something that says Devo on it, um, you know, at a, at a reasonable scale. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I am kind of holding off on my own collections for the, for the, the time being um, and still working on those commissions. And once that community I feel is, is big enough and, um, yeah, like nurtured enough, I guess, then I think I can go back and sort of launch some of my own, like more of my own sort of artistic vision. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, commissions are definitely um, what, I, what I do most. Interesting. Well, and what was that like when you, because I, I totally remember that collection, you put it out and you wrote a great, a great article on LinkedIn and you're totally candid about the whole thing. You totally owned it, which I thought was fantastic. One, courageous, but also really brilliant. What was the... What was it like kind of growing from that? And it, I mean, I would imagine it was tough at first, but in the long run, I would, I would assume it, it's helped or what, what, are you, what were your thoughts and feelings about that whole experience? Great question. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So um, yeah, wrote the article on LinkedIn, told everyone like bought the pieces, spent time creating the pieces. During that time, I'm putting other people's commissions on hold to create these pieces. Yeah. Bought or booked a studio to shoot everything paid paid seaflow and like still not even a great rate for the work he does but paid seaflow to shoot everyone made mm -hmm. like a lookbook um and then launched it at an event um and yeah a ton of people showed up right and and i mean a ton of people are, are posting about it and stuff too so i think that that was great and maybe that was maybe one thing i i did kind of take away is probably some more engagement followers or and stuff like that but really not not much for what i i think i invested in it um but yes to still not to not sell anything um so that's yeah painting the backstory i think yeah what i learned definitely is is i'm not ready yet 
people aren't ready yet to buy Devo Customs, the brand, that tells me I got to work on making people care about Devo Customs, the brand. And so that's, again, going back to the community aspect of it, um, that's like making content that's maybe just like about me more than just kind of like mm. posting jackets up there. Like, uh, you know, this is for this person, this is for this yeah. athlete. Um, and so people are, are bought in, bought in to, to my story. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. was, that was a, a great wake up call. And it also just one of like, never get too high on, like, I, I thought mm. I was like white hot, like right after all of this stuff and then that was just a huge just like reality check of like nope you still have a lot yeah. of work to do so it was a good like slap in the face and i continue to work hard um yeah i think i think that was definitely the the biggest takeaway for me um and now i know kind of just some few tactical things of what i would do differently next time um if i do decide to launch a collection anytime soon so Definitely. Well, great. Obviously, the experience you gained from that whole thing has got to be like ridiculously valuable. Definitely. Yeah. And it was it was fun to tell the story, too, and see like how many yeah. people resonated with it. I thought that was interesting is like somebody hit me up and was like, you know, I had this experience, but it was about like soccer. So like I had hmm. played soccer my entire life. You know, I'm in senior year and I get injured and I get no scholarships or anything like that. Yeah. And so now I'm like trying to play like club and, and work on trying to get back to my dream. But I, it was interesting mm. how he sort of compared it to my thing. And yeah. then that made me feel like, man, that really wasn't that much of an L because this guy spent <laughs> yeah. yeah. his whole yeah. life trying yeah. to go yeah. D1 in soccer. And so like yeah. that yeah. also, yeah, just like 10,000 foot view, like it's not, it wasn't, it was an L for sure, but it wasn't that, yeah. Costly, I guess. So, um, but yeah, it was cool to see how people resonated with it and, and kept the conversation going. Yeah. I want to, um, pick your brain and hear all about, you did a, a piece, a jacket, uh, three portraits of Ahmaud Arbery, uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. And then you look a little bit behind it and you see names of, uh, other black Americans who fatally, uh, victims of racial injustice. And I would, I would love to get your entire, the entire story with that and what it was like creating that piece. And then also the mission behind it is fantastic. And I, I would love to hear all about that. No, thanks for, for the praise and bringing that up. Um, yeah, I was on a car ride with my wife. George Floyd had happened maybe five days before. And like, I mean, we're just still processing everything. And I think for me, sometimes I just go right into like, all right, let's fix it tomorrow, which is not realistic at all, but what can I start doing? And I was wrestling with that. And then, you know, my wife said like, you should make a piece. And I thought I did. No, no. Like, I don't want to come across as like, I don't know, trying to like, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't want it to be, I just didn't want to like fall on fall on like deaf ears or anything like that. But then like, I just had some like internal thoughts of like this, this is my best way of communicating to the world is through art. I've always felt that like that's, I've, I've always felt I was put on this planet to, to do art. 
Um, and so like, I would be doing a disservice to myself if I'm not using what I think is my most valuable talent to communicate during a time like this. Um, and so then got back into it and I started working on the piece. Um, those, those three, right. were definitely like the most recent ones at the time. Um, the, the most relevant. And I think I, I grabbing from a news perspective for people to relate to. So I, I chose them did a design black lives matter after I was like, you know what? I like, it just didn't feel like it was powerful enough with just the the three in there, which is, I mean, still saying something. And then that's when I wanted to add just the names of, of other people who I, who had suffered. Um, and so ended up writing all of those around the design. Um, and I was wrestling with like what to do with it. Like I was first just thinking about just like giving it away to like a non, like giving it to a nonprofit, giving it to somebody. Um, and then I was like, it would just be really cool to like use it as like a, a raffle and then have people yeah. buy raffle entries, donate all of those proceeds into um, a nonprofit. And the nonprofit I chose is called Don't Shoot PDX. Um, and then back to like why it was so important. Like one of their programs is set up to help like youth activists show their activism through art. So they have a whole program about like activism through art. And so I thought that is, that's what I'm doing. That's cool. I want to support that. I think it's like, there's a lot going on obviously right now. I think that is a really cool program that can set people up for the future too. So I wanted to kind of attack it from like, from that angle. And so, so yeah, had the cause figured out had like the donation figured out. I felt, felt like that was the best way of honestly trying to raise the most money for it. Um, pretty, uh, pretty uh, easy to put five in and um, yeah, posted it. And I honestly didn't expect to break $1,000 um, yeah. for a $5 raffle entry fee. And, and it broke 1000 in the first hour. So like that was insane. <laughs> okay. And like uh, I had like my sound on, for Venmo and it was like ching ching <laughs> just like kept doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh gosh, that's great. Man, yeah. this is crazy. And it, it was coming from everywhere, like people who I didn't know and like uh you know, people who I'd like barely maybe talked to in college and wanted to support. And so it was super positive during a not so positive time um to just see all that support come in. And at the end of it, um, donated $5,800 to um, Don't Shoot PDX. Um, and so that was that was awesome. And then I got Adidas to match a little bit of that too. So awesome. yeah, a lot of money towards a good cause and couldn't have done it without um, everybody supporting in, in the community. So yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it was a lot. That's awesome. No, and I think it's, it's awesome that Adidas also jumped on that and helped, uh, back the money as well and very smart to think about in the future I, I i didn't even until you said that i hadn't i thought it was obviously a, a great charity but until you put it in that way in, in terms of helping the future i think that's that's awesome no it's well put well, yeah and i was i was going back about which one to to do like do i do it to the minnesota freedom fund like and 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 double acp and then yeah i wanted to see so like i i felt like through that nonprofit, I could really see it go to work for like a bigger purpose. Not saying that those other ones totally. don't do that. They absolutely mm -hmm. do. But 
for me, it, it being like local, I felt like it would be really cool to just like see that. Um, so yeah. There was, and obviously when you post, you know, Instagram stories, you can see the bar of how many they have. And I went to yours and it looked like there was a hundred <laughs> lined up at the top with tons of people. And so, and you, you think, those people are sharing it. That doesn't even count for the people who still donated that that didn't post it, um, and so that that was the, just the support. Obviously, I got it. Might have been overwhelming in ways to see so many people hopping on. In terms of social media, Blackout Tuesday and the black squares that were posted—a bit of a controversial topic in terms of people thinking it was good or um, bad, maybe superficial. Uh, how did you see it? Yeah, great, great question. Um, the black square, so. I I saw it, um, and I saw it in a big way. A ton of people posted it, right? I I posted it. I saw people saying not to post it, not to use the Black Lives Matter hashtag. Very relevant. I, that made sense because that would steer people away from like actual meaningful yeah. information using the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, but then and then, um, yeah. I, th- I think a, a lot of people kind of dismissed it as performative and, and the easy way out. And it, it can, it can be that. Um, but the way I saw it was ne- not necessarily like in that moment, but after the fact, right? So now everyone who posted a black square, that's, that's on your profile. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's basically a badge that, you said you, you, you know, you're not, you're anti-racist. And so now you can not, you can, you can not be a hypocrite mm. and, and actually work, or you can not do the work and say the black square was enough and just know that's on your profile and know that you're being like a hypocrite and, and know that someone could call you out for not acting on that black square later. I mean, people are calling out their own multimillion-dollar employers for <laughs> being being uh, being racist, and so what makes you think that they won't call you out after seeing that black square on your profile? And so, for me, it, it was a good showing of of solidarity. And I think if you posted a black square and you're doing absolutely nothing else, that's that's performative. If you're posting it, you're following it up with action. That, that's great. Um, and the people who are not being, who are being performative with it, that you have that receipt now of your black square in your profile. And so I think essentially the long, the long tail of, of the black square, I think is, uh, is, is something to be, something to be said and just a, a badge that, um, you, you have to uphold essentially. So, so yeah, I'm in all, I, I'm in, I'm in favor of it. Um, I, in the in the moment, it was definitely hard to to navigate, but now I think it, it definitely represents um, represents something. If you're doing if you're doing stuff to protect that black square that's on your profile, yeah. And I mean, even back to the to the business standpoint, I think people too are are sort of looking at where they're buying their products and seeing how they're talking about. Not necessarily looking for a black square, but like looking for some type of acknowledgement of, of, of what's going on right now. And so yeah. I think all, all social media that can be posted right now and shared 
is 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 good. It shows you're 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 making yourself accountable, and it and it shows your support. And so I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely with it. Um, yeah, if if there's actions behind it, how should the social media narrative be pushed? Like continue to be pushed if we actually want to see legitimate change. Social media has been great for it. Um, even greater in this time where we're in the coronavirus lockdown and everyone's looking yeah. at their phones. It has slowed down um, a, a, a little bit, but I don't know. People, people are still posting. I think, um, yeah. I think for me, I think what's going to continue the momentum are people yeah. calling other people out for kind of not okay. acknowledging, which yeah. I think we're, we're still seeing um, a little bit. I mean, I think, I mean, personally with brands we've shot before, we're, we're looking back and, and mm-hmm. seeing what, what are they doing about, about this situation. Um, yeah. And so I think anti-racism is definitely a lot about holding people accountable and jumping in. Totally. And so I think people are, are embracing that. And I think through social media, you know, I think if you're scared of getting canceled, <laughs> you know, it, like do something, you know what I mean? So I think, uh, totally. I, I think that's that, that dialogue is, is still going on and, you know, hopefully that momentum continues and it only will if, if people just keep posting on it, keep sharing, um, and just make it a part of the, the consciousness. Definitely. And with that, um, the moments of how have you felt about the protests and how many people are speaking up and getting out and amidst, amidst the pandemic, it's a bit of an interesting complex, but how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I would honestly be lying if I wasn't really impressed about how many people are, are coming out, um, in the, in the numbers, um, that, I, that I'm seeing. Um, yeah, I think even, even with the pandemic, I think people are trying to put together that, you know, our human rights are above sort of, yeah. you know, a, a disease um, and, and setting up society for the future is, is above that. And so I think that that's been really cool. Um, I think what's also important to note is that everybody has their own form of protest. Um, and maybe yeah, yeah. if you're not seeing it, physically from people being at the protests doesn't mean they're not there. Doesn't mean uh, maybe they just didn't choose to post about it. Um, and I think it also means like, you know, they, they can be protesting in, in their own way. So for me, I've been, I've been to one peaceful protest. Um, mm. But I think, you know, people use using their, their medium and in, in my case, art that was that was a form of protest for me totally i didn't just do that now i'm done i'm definitely not done you know what i'm saying like i'm definitely continuing to push push the agenda but i think also um there are definitely like other ways of of protesting um and if you're not one that's not comfortable going going out because of the virus i think finding your own way of how you can protest is big i think one thing that really hit me is like my, so my dad, he's a professor um, at a college. Um, it's, I mean, if you, you know, the landscape of college, it's 98% white. A lot of those students 
have never seen a black man, a black person at the front of a class before. And so by him being there, giving that representation and changing people's minds, like even that is just like a form of, of, of protest. Right. And so I think like that it's, is just important to address. Um, By no means am I trying to like make excuses for people (laughs) that aren't like trying to get out there. But I think, I think there are a lot of different ways to protest um, and really search internally, find your way, and then go hard at it. And that's a great point, as a lot of people might feel conflicted if they're immunocompromised and can't actually go out to protest. Portland is one of the widest cities in America. And with that, if, if you wouldn't mind sharing, I would love to hear about your experience as a black man in the city and in surrounding areas. Yes, definitely um, a, a shocker. So, you know, I came from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, okay. A very, Minneapolis is, is very diverse. Where I grew up and sort of where I went to high school was not extremely diverse. They did a really good job in, in Minneapolis of sort of drawing the school lines and, and, and property lines to, to not really have it be very diverse. So I'm going to a, a probably a less diverse school and I'm in kind of like higher classes too. I classes where I'm kind of the only person of color. Um, so like I, I'm, I was kind of used to it, but even still going to Portland, it was very white going to the university of Portland, which is less than 1% black people make up the student population, uh, was, was pretty shocking as well. I would say Portland is a very, um, definitely liberal, liberal city. Um, I think people Mm -hmm. generally love each other and want the, want the best for each other, want the best for the environment. Um, but I do think with the lack of black people, there is like an mm. ignorance to some things yeah. among the white people are there. Um, and that usually comes uh, out in, in microaggressions. Um, mm. And that's kind of the racism that they implore. It's not a, explicit where it's like, you know, yeah. obviously everyone knows what explicit racism is, but a microaggression yeah. of stuff I've gotten, like you're so articulate, um, you know, uh, you don't talk like you're black. Um, hmm. And all of those are just signs that you just haven't, you just don't know black people. <laughs> like you just haven't been around. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. there are different types of black people. Um, and, and my articulation shouldn't be a signifier of, of, of how, yeah. how black I am. I've, I've heard hmm. all the microaggressions, um, which, you know, and some of those, I think the people saying them don't even realize uh, no. how how big they they can be, um, and you know the sense of like having somebody like doubt who you are, and then can almost make you doubt who you are. Like, am I am I really black? Am I not black enough? You know, stuff like that. So it's it's a really weird like form of of racism that is like still uh, very very, very prevalent. Um, and so I think that's been my experience with racism in in Portland mainly. Um, yeah, another story, uh, first day of business class, university of Portland, 
teacher asks, you know, how many, uh, do we have any athletes in, in the class, you know, cause they're trying to get a gauge of who might have to leave early or, you know, so I raised my hand and he goes, ah, yes, basketball, of course. And, uh, and so that's just, was just another wake up call of, um, yeah. and I had a, a lot of people on campus ask me if I was on the team. Um, and so it's, it's just when you grow up and only see black people either as basketball players, rappers, or portrayed negatively in the media, which has been going on for years, that's, that's what you think and what you know. And so that's just, yeah, the ignorance, I guess, is just the, the, the biggest thing I, I see here. Um, okay. but, but yeah, I think all of these are, are really good. Um, I think we're, we're, I think everyone's starting to make progress. Um, Portland definitely has a, a ton of work to do. Um, and so I, I hope to see that, uh, continue to, to, per, to progress. A hundred percent. And, and I, I think you, thank you for sharing those, by the way. Uh, some stuff that I've been hearing and a lot of people is the unlearning and then relearning, unlearning and learning, unlearning and learning. As a white man, I have a lot of work to do in terms of educating myself, unlearning stuff. But you were saying, you pointed out something that you have to learn and unlearn as well, uh, which that was very poignant. If, if you wouldn't mind touching on that a little bit. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, George, George Floyd happens. Um, I get a lot of people reaching out to me asking if I'm safe, my family's safe. Um, cause obviously they're, they're in Minneapolis. They were, they were fine. Um, you know, the, there was a lot going on with the protests, but they, you know, they weren't like intentionally endangering themselves. And, um, but, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of people reaching out and, and asking, yeah, what, you know, what can I, what can I do? Um, and me just kind of being, overwhelmed of what to tell them what to do. And I'm, I'm very aware that I don't owe that to anybody. There's a ton of resources out there. I don't, I don't owe that to anybody. Um, but at the same time, me really wanting to be a fixer and builder of the situation, want to tell something tangible that these people can do. And, um, and that required me in, internalizing what, what I, what I think is, is best to do. What do other people think is best to do? Is theirs better than what I think is, you know what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing right now is if you're, if you're white and, and you're, and you have black friends, be, be patient with your black friends because we are learning how to navigate this too. Yeah. Um, I saw another really interesting post. Um, this, this black artist, she said like, she's getting a ton of new business opportunities out of this, of like people who want uh, her to sing more gigs and, and stuff like that. And it's really gracious and, and great for her business, but like a whole new type of burden to navigate of like, this is great. Are you only giving me this because of the time? Um, or, you know, are you, what, what else are you doing? What is the, the history of what, what you've done around this? And so it's like a weird sort of thing. And so it's, it's, I, I would say, yeah, know that we are, we are learning how to navigate this as well. Um, and, and be, be patient with us, um, and, and just arm yourself with as much resources, um, and educate yourself as much as possible. Um, and to when, you know, we're ready to have 
a conversation about it. You know, you've, you've showed up to class doing your homework. It's not, you're asking kind of wild questions and relying on, on us to give, give the perfect answer. Um, You know, you've done, you've done the readings for the, for the class. (laughs) Um, I think that's, I think that's really important if, if you're trying to, to connect in that way. So yeah, that's, that's my sentiment on it. No, well put. Um, and speaking of uh, your friend, the artist who was feeling that burden, for you as a black artist right now, what has that been like? It's interesting. So I thought about this, taking a step back. Me, I, I think of myself as an artist who happens to be black. Hmm. I would, this is my opinion, I would think that most yeah. other people who are black think that as well. As an artist, what you're doing is you're expressing what you see on a, on a, you're, through your unique vision. For people who are black, that vision is usually black people, which is black art. Um, and it has, you know, it's its own attitude. Um, so, so it's, it's interesting how it's, kind of become a a genre um but it's really just being an artist and expressing sort of what you see um so that's that's one how i think about it i think also too as an artist right we're hard-headed so like we are gonna paint our vision regardless like even if people aren't messing with it we're gonna make the most black black piece of art out there um and and that's and that that's fine so i wouldn't say that being a black artist maybe necessarily holds holds you back as much as other career right like so if i was like a black real estate person yeah that's gonna hold me back a lot a lot more um you know i think that that is gonna yeah that is, is going to be a, a tough to navigate. Um, but not, not to, not to discredit that black artists don't get enough exposure we definitely do get more exposure, but I think, you know, part of, part of being an artist is sort of putting your own vision out there and seeing who, who picks it up. I think what's, what's cool now, right. A lot more people are searching for it. More people are looking for it. Um, it's, it's more, trending on on social media now where people kind of haven't been been searching for it before so i think it's it's more more sought after um but um but yeah from it's yeah i think it's just just interesting wrestling with like being uh yeah an artist who who happens to be black um (laughs) thank you for sharing that man um, and thank you for coming on and talking. I'm going to let you go in a bit, but before I do that, uh, now is your time to plug anything or, or, or give a shout out, whatever it might be. For sure. Um, so I think o- overall, generally, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do to support. I think one thing that I've, I've been definitely going with recently is, is supporting black, black businesses, um, and, and black artists that, those dollars are going right back into the community. Um, and so every, every dollar spent is, is super powerful in that way. Um, and just to shout out a, a 
kind of a creative individual that I've recently started to, to dive into his content. Um, his name is Bima Williams, and he runs a podcast um, called Claim Us Stories. And it's a series um, that's really dedicated to um, have he. So he basically has guests. They're people of color who work in the sportswear industry, all sorts of functions, designers, marketing, and they tell their story. The whole thing is geared to get more people of color into sportswear, into their dream jobs. Um, you know, it's, I think it goes back to the classic thing. You know, it's never been um, the, the talent pool. It's just the networks, I think, that, mm. that can plague um, the, the black community, just the, the awareness and, and accessibility. This guy's doing a really great job of bringing those stories to light um, and, and really, um, you know, helping with, with representation, which is just a huge part um, in, in all of this. So just wanted to, to shout him out. I'm actually like pretty new to, to diving into his content, but I think it's a super powerful message. Um, and so if listeners here like podcasts, that's definitely one to, to jump into. Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I really appreciated this and it, it, this was fantastic. I'm glad we could finally do it too. So yeah, this was good. Um, yeah. Thanks for, for the platform. Um, Let's do it again sometime, man. That was fun. <laughs> no, I would love that. Definitely. Absolutely. I want to give a big thank you and shout out to Nathan for coming on the show. You can check out his work on Instagram at Devo Customs. That's D-E-V-O Customs. That will do it for this installment of the Here's My Thing podcast. As always, my name is John Russos. Thank you for rocking with me. Until next time.